listen to hair wrong. From hair wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. They're wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. From hair wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still gotta keep the world together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who gon' do it like, like us? Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah. Hello, hello, and thank you for joining us on Heron's Home Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Robertson, alongside my sound man extraordinaire, Rico G. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And we're back in the studio for episode 212. You know, yeah, a little bit late, a little bit late uh, after a blackout, but we made it. We made it back to the studio after a little reschedule. But yeah, man. So you've been getting into anything uh, interesting this weekend? Yeah, I caught um, episode one of uh, uh, Boba Fett. That was pretty dope. Nice. That's okay. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I heard that was really good. Yeah, um, it, it's pretty fresh, man. Like it, I, I really like the the look of it. Um, the whole aesthetic is pretty dope. I love the new, the new um, uh, the Boba Fett's theme song. It's much more, it's much more uh, western. I mean, the old one was like a had a western vibe to it, but this one, there's like no ambiguity. It just like feels like a um, western music. So that's that's pretty dope. And it's also um, it's it's pretty nostalgic, man. Okay. Um, I'm sure it'll be much more for most other people because uh, uh, I'm my throughway through Star Wars is mostly video games, so mm-hmm. I don't have okay. as deep a connection to the to the characters. But it's a revisit to, t- to Tatooine, and um, he's basically basically he's filling the power void after Jabba the Hutt has been uh, yes. uh, deposed. So that's pretty much kind of where the episode opens. And it actually opens with him escaping the Sarlacc pit, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so, that's everyone's question. Is like, pretty much, isn't this nigga dead? Pretty much. But yeah, uh, so it was pretty cool. Definitely. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest. I'm probably going to wait till Wednesday so I can catch two and three at the same time. That's what's up. Yeah, see, because I was going to, I was, you know, working up a list of things I'm looking forward to in, in 2022. But I was like, and I, and I saw Boba Fett, and I was like, but I'm kind of experiencing that now, so I guess I'm not looking forward to it. So even though it it's is 2022, happening. I didn't put it on the list. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Boba Fett is definitely going to be one that I I look forward to catching up, because I still have uh, Disney Disney Plus active. So once that has some more episodes uh, archived on there, I'll definitely catch those. Yeah, and Min- Ming-Na Wen is holding it down, real gangster too. Nice. Yeah, uh well, I'm gonna watch it. So I was gonna ask you questions, but I was like, "Nigga, just wait and watch yeah, it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying not to spoil too much, you know. I mean, it's pretty good. That's what's up. So yeah, that's uh, that's what you've been getting into. Pretty much, I haven't really done too much else as far as entertainment wise. Yeah, I didn't watch too much either. Um, yeah, just been doing a lot of other shit, you know, which doesn't leave very much time for uh, the aforementioned gaming and watching. But it is what it is. Uh, but I did, as I mentioned before. I figured we'll 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 spend most of this episode looking at uh, things that I'm uh, I I can cast a bit of foreshadowing on for 2022, and hopefully, you know, later on this year, I'll be able to revisit these topics and be like, yeah, whether uh, they hit, didn't hit, whether I was right, wrong, or indifferent. But yeah, so yeah, uh, we'll 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 hit the de- the general topics. Uh, so we'll start with music, man, because. Let me tell you, I was definitely pleasantly surprised in 2021 how uh, the Young Boys came out. You know what I mean? Because the established acts really did show what they have, you know, which I'm grateful for always. But I was really happy to see um, a lot of the younger artists put out music. But um, looking forward to uh, 2022, I would say uh, Earth Gang. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yeah, you've mentioned them before, I remember. Yes. They they put out they put out some singles in 2021, but I'm interested to see what what their project is that's slated for 2022 uh, is looking like. It's gonna be big because Dreamville and and that's one thing I really love about Dreamville as a collective. They do a great job of supporting their artists. You know what I mean? Even though R. Lennox consistently complains about it, you could see the effort though. So it is what it is with that. But um, when it comes to Earth Gang, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what projects they. Uh, come forward with and also in that that same vein jid <clears throat> jid is always uh one that delivers when it comes to to uh to putting together uh amazing verses and so uh, i i really want to see what his uh his project his solo project is looking like which i'm not sure if that's actually going to come in 2022 but it's a good chance of it because it's been a little while since he's since he put out his last project but um yeah moving forward from that tde 
And I mean, I, I chose to talk to reference them as a collective, but pretty much every artist in TDE is one that we should look forward to. I mean, Isaiah Rashad had a really good 2021. Yeah, so I'm not sure uh, if he's going to be doing too, too much in 2022, but you got Schoolboy Q. Kendrick's been 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 in the uh in the salvo. Uh, you got uh another J Rock would be dope. J Rock, you know, uh SZA, you know, not to not to uh overshadow the SZA who's probably, you know, numbers wise, SZA might be the biggest artist right behind Kendrick on the label for sure. You know what I mean? Like SZA is is, is really amazing and well, that's one thing that I really do appreciate. Like her vocal quality is next level, man. Like, I I like what she bringing to the table for sure. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a lot of production behind it, even though her production is top quality. But you could definitely hear her what what she's bringing to the table. You know, um, that's the same way I feel about Summer Walker. Is that the the, the vocal quality shines through no matter what <laughs> no matter what lyrics she's singing or no matter who's putting on you know a great uh, production uh, performance behind her. Her vocal quality always shines through on the track, and I think that's super important for R and B artists. Definitely, but it's um, kind of the most important thing. Yeah, you know, and 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 I, you know, who really got me to notice that is Ariana Grande. Is like, okay, you know, it's like you can't keep on busting it out over over all these million dollar beats, and then be still be the shining, you know, the the shining part of the track. So, uh, yeah, she really kind of put me onto like, yo, the R and B quality really comes from the vocal performance because there's so much production in all of this music today. Because most of it's popish, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff that that I get exposed to ends up being on the poppier end, just because that's what's proliferated, you know. But yeah, everyone on TDE is 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 you know ready to go. And so yeah, I think School Schoolboy Q is probably the person I'm waiting for the most. Because, you know, Kendrick, there's always anticipation for Kendrick. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. that's the headlining act for the most part. Um, but I really am looking forward to see uh, what Schoolboy Q does, you know? And, of course, Absol. But Absol, he's very on the artsy end, you know what I mean? So he does what he does when he wants to do it, you know what I mean? So, yeah, uh, you, you really can't. You don't want to rely on somebody who creates that way. Just put it that way. You know, you, you'll get good stuff when, they, when they're ready to do it. <laughs> But you know, and something else that's supposed to be coming out twenty twenty two that I'm really interested to see is um the posthumous Aaliyah project that that they've been putting together. That should be pretty interesting. I'm very interested because of the amount of care that I know is going into it. Because I mean, Timbaland and Missy are still two amazing musicians, and they are I think putting a lot of time and effort into cultivating this this um this this uh piece of uh this album for her, and so. I'm looking forward to it, you know, because Aaliyah was, she was one of my favorite R&B artists. Like, she was another one that really, at the beginning of that era of, like, a lot of production behind the music, um, that a lot of that pop production behind the, the, the R&B acts, her vocal uh, performance was always uh, the gem, so... Yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to see that in in 2022. But and you know, we haven't had a, a a Tim and Missy project ooh, in a long I, time. For real though, dude. And then working on something that they're both passionate about. <laughs> this is the kind of thing to get them in their bag. You know what I mean? So I'm looking forward to seeing what what uh what comes of this and what visuals, because you know Missy is is has been a, uh, not just a musical artist but a visual artist her whole life, and so I'm looking forward to see see that part as well. Should be pretty dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, moving on from that, you know, <laughs> I tried to look at the movies that I'm looking forward to, and I don't know know if it's just a byproduct of Marvel's, you know, prolific marketing in the the spaces that I typically consume in, but I was hard pressed to find a non Marvel slash DCU uh, related movie that I was like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I'm ready to watch that. I'm ready to watch it. I'm looking forward to it. Like, for me, that's pretty normal. It's yeah. For me, that's pretty like since I don't know from as far back as I can remember, Marvel movies are pretty much the only movies I go to the theater for. The only exceptions being other movies that are big spectacles that I was like, oh, I got to see them on the big screen, like Transformers mm-hmm. or Avatar. <sighs> Or, yes, or those, those are like two that. definite examples. If of... I'm going to to the movies, it, it, there's got to be a reason why I'm making that trip, and you know, 
more often than not, Marvel's got the reason. <laughs> yeah, you know, so and, really, like it, I don't really need to go into a theater to see a bunch uh, to see a bunch of people talking on the big screen. That's why I I really don't get the Marvel. Well, I understand the Marvel hate. It's just I understand it's invalid. Is that you know I'm looking out there, man. Like get me excited. I'm 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 completely open to it. You know what I mean? Like throw something out there, I will bite. But it's like mm, Marvel's really putting all the red meat in the water. I'm just saying. Yeah, they're really I mean, doing the it. The thing with Marvel is Marvel is consistent and they're doing their own thing and they're not really paying attention to the rest of the industry. The problem yeah. is they're drastically affecting the rest of the industry. <laughs> so I understand how the rest of the industry would be a little bit perturbed by Absolutely. that. You know what I'm saying? That is pretty much it. Yeah. Like Marvel. Mentioned before, Marvel single-handedly changed film. You feel me? Like we mentioned the mid-credit, post-credit scene. Thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, that was that was a uh, that that was Marvel was the one that started that trend. So did Iron Man have a mid-credit, a mid uh, role and an end credit, or I did it just? Do have the not end? remember. I think it was. But just I the think end. it's just one. I yeah. think that it, it, they started putting in two a little bit later on. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. They did it twice. That's all, that was the only point I was trying to make. Like, you're absolutely right. They no, did but it they once got that the from Ferris Bueller though. The the post credits mm-hmm. thing. That's that's a Ferris Bueller thing. I think that's the first person that did that. But they're the ones mm-hmm. that made it like, oh, this is a part of our aesthetic now. Yes. That's okay. Absolutely. Yes. So yeah, you know, with that being said, I'm gonna hit the list, but it's gonna be pretty much a list of uh, of superhero movies. But that's not to say there's not other stuff coming out. That I'm going to be interested in. I just didn't really see it on the slate that's like confirmed. But yeah, we'll start out with Spider-Man Across the Multiverse. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, I have yeah, been yeah, super, yeah. super happy with what they did with um Spider-Man Into the Multiverse. The the first Miles Morales animated uh feature that they put him in. And Across the Multiverse is going to prove to be another amazing uh, entry. I have no doubt. I mean, they could flop it but i doubt it i just i don't feel like they are <laughs> so yeah that one i'm very much looking forward to um there's robert pattinson's batman yeah i'm very interested crazy i'm still very interested bulletproof batman why not why not <laughs> you know what i mean like i thought that that was a that was a dope introduction to the to to his action aesthetic and so yeah i i, I i'm i'm hooked I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm very uh, um, curious to see what Matt Reeves has planned for this Batman because it it seems like a darker take without being too like um without being a parody of itself. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm which is going to be difficult because we already have a pretty dark take of Batman. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's been the chosen aesthetic for, of Batman for a long time. So to see his take on it, I'm very much interested in it as well. Yeah. He's definitely done a good job of intriguing me with it. Um, there's definitely Morbius, which I, I keep on calling him Mobius, but it's Morbius. <laughs> um, I don't know. Looking, I, you're not I'm looking forward to that anymore? I don't know if I'm, it, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, 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 it's 50-50, you know what I'm saying? I'm just in the middle. I'm just, we just got to see, because on the one hand, it looks cool, but on the other hand, it's Sony. <sighs> but, uh, Sony hit with, uh, with Venom, so I think they can kind of do the dark aesthetic. I just, I... To this point, I've seen all of their trailers, and I still don't exactly know what story threads they're using. And so that does kind of worry me. You know what I mean? Because that usually, when you know, when the storyline that they've chosen is one that they're they're proud of, they give you they give you tidbits and threads and stuff. So this, I'm assuming they're going with something that's altogether new. You know what I, I mean, mean? Well, the last trailer pretty much outlined the what seems to be the main plot of the story. You know what I mean? Like, he just gets sick and he does a bunch of occult yeah. research to find it. Yeah, well, that's, that's his and origin starts, story, but um, then what's the plot of the movie? Unless the whole movie is just going to be his origin story, you think? Most likely. That's okay. usually how they do with first movies. First movie is usually an origin story with a villain that ties up neatly at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah. It, I, cause the, um, that's I, why I was going to say, like, well, that's not what X, Y, and Z was doing, but all of the examples I was thinking of were Marvel. And so, yeah, Sony is pretty formulaic in their plots that i've seen so far that i'm thinking of um because like but even, even venom does, does venom that. was pretty formulaic even though they had threads of different different ideas in it it was definitely not like a mix up what's up yeah but marvel is marvel's pretty formulaic too like they're pretty consistent in how they do their origin stories yes but i would say that they do i think they do a good job of of not just they don't their whole original movie isn't just origin story like like there was 
a, a plot outside of just the origin story with um like I'd say Iron Man one just as a default example. Um, there was the whole arc where he had to fight Obadiah and and the the sub stories they were building up with with that. And then there was the origin story, of course, that we got a that was a chunk of the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they're all dovetailed together though. They're, Absolutely, they're, yeah, yeah. they're intricately related. Yes, you don't yes. really have Obadiah Stane without in MCU without uh, Tony Stark's origin story. Oh no, I, I agree. Yeah, um, I was just uh, pointing out that like the movies are expand beyond it. You know what I mean? Even though I would say like some of the older ones, like if you, I don't know if you remember, but the old old Captain America that I saw it in the '90s, but I believe was older than that. That shit was just like real old school storytelling, very different from anything like that. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's a different era. Yeah, I, I definitely can see. Uh, where there was a move from just like straight up origin story movies to like okay these are a much broader affair that were meant for sequels because I think I don't think those other movies are even meant for sequels or anything like that. Yeah, Marvel is um they definitely started to change their approach. A really good example of that is um Spider Man, right? Like they just they just kind of they were like yeah you know what we're not even doing that whole Uncle Ben thing and yeah. showing you him getting a spider. We've, we we've been through that. So mm-hmm. it's like um as as the the comic book movies have been in the in the prevalence for the past like 20 years or so the 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 making of comic book movies themselves have changed. Mm-hmm. Another good example of that is um what's the name of that stupid shit uh Thomas and Martha Wayne. Yeah. Right? Oh gosh, yes. Like usually <laughs> they it used to be they just totally like them, their dynamics, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, it used to be that like every every Batman movie started paying pretty decent amount of service to that mm-hmm. but in the latest one with Zack snyder it was, it was super quick it was just like yo yeah. in, in the theater pearls boom done we're gone but no it, I, and i think uh to 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 tie that together i think you're absolutely right they are formulaic i think they use a different formula than 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 what most other uh companies were doing yeah they made the mold so yeah there there's uh there's that there's the morbius movie um, there's Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Badness. Super excited! Absolutely for that one. excited for that. Um, especially after Spider Man, it's all it's all set up there. Um, I'm assuming they're going to wrap up WandaVision's uh, storyline of her practicing. Because uh, you remember, do you remember the post credits in WandaVision? Yeah, where she's uh, I, I guess using a some kind of multiversal magic to. To, to study magic? <laughs> well, she was studying the dark home, and she yeah. heard voices from presumably outside of the multiverse, from outside of her universe yeah. of her kids. So that's going to be interesting, and I'm assuming that's going to be explored in Doctor Strange, correct? Or you? I'm not sure. The tra- She was featured in the latest trailer, but... Um, it, the 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 only thing they showed of them too is him. She was like, "Oh, I know, I fucked up in that one place," and he was like, "Yeah, I'm not here for that." Oh, Westview. <laughs> yeah. So he 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 and Doctor Strange like, "Yeah, I'm not here for that." So I'm not sure entirely how much of the Wanda stuff they're they're going into as far as it's, it does seem like that's that's pretty much wrapped up. It seems like it's all about fuck. I'm so excited for America Chavez though. Yes, Miss um, Miss Marvel, right? Uh, no, no, not Miss Marvel, but um, uh, she's just called Kamala. America Chavez, from my understanding. She's the the chick that uh, oh, uh, jumps through portals. I don't believe so. I can double okay. check. I definitely I remember remember her Chavez. her name, but I always I might have just in in uh in accident associated her with Miss Marvel because I assumed because America Chavez seemed like her real name that she had to have a secret identity, right? <laughs> well, no. America Chavez is an alien. She's like, well, not alien, alien, but she's like, yeah, she's kind of an alien that, that dimension hops. Yeah, but she, 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 you know, you always have to have an alias and then your superhero name. You can't be the same person. I mean, on both sides. There's an exception to every rule. Like, I'm out. There's an exception to every rule. I don't even live in this dimension. Is I don't need one identity. Pretty much. Feel <laughs> you only need a sacred identity if, you know, it matters if people know who you are. True. You ain't even from even here. Live, I don't even live you here. You feel cause... me? What are you gonna do? Track down my family in another dimension to, to get leverage over me? I mean, that, you could dimension hop. That's that's. <laughs> I would assume that's somebody else can dimension thing. hop. And if they can dimension hop, then you know your secret identity is probably a little moot. Mm-hmm. They probably just focus on the person who can dimension hop between most dimensions rather than what you choose to call yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so America Chavez is uh, she's showing up in Doctor. Strange. Yeah, she's getting her introduction in that movie. She he's gonna be helping Doctor Strange hop through universes to find out 
to resolve the issues with the multiverse. Oh shit! That was in the um, last preview. Yeah, yeah. There, oh, there, wow. there was there's a new multiverse madness trailer that came out. Uh, maybe probably less than a month ago. Pretty sure it came out. Yeah, could have sworn I saw that Christmas. one. I totally missed that. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember Corn uh, Mordo with Cornrows? Oh, you know what? I might have not seen that. Yeah. Okay, I got to catch up on my previews yeah. then. They got a new one out. Mordo with Cornrows. That actor with Cornrows is going to look pretty funny, but okay. Um, also, there's Black Adam. That should be pretty interesting. I'm very interested in Black Adam because be I believe DC is uh, really going in on this whole that like that whole side of the universe and following a, a, a supervillain line. You know, not, not like reforming him and making a superhero movies about a reformed villain. Like, no, following the villain, like movies about the villain. I'm like, okay, this will be very interesting because how are, you know, that's, uh, it's just a thematic change, really, because the structure for the movies will all probably still be similar, except you're just following a bad guy. But how do you. And also, you got to remember that he, boy, he started off the hero. Feel me? He only became a villain after the his, his um yeah. patron. So if they do the if they dig if they go backwards in Black Adam's um timeline, yes, you can actually you know show the dramatic turn. But if they go forward in Black Adam's timeline, he's pretty much all ass from here on out once he makes his turn. Yeah, you know? most likely they're gonna do the origin story, you know, because a lot of audiences don't know who he is. So True. if they just kind of jumped into it. It'd be kind of, uh, you know. I was one hundred percent unfamiliar with some it before holes I heard that the Rock was playing him. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm all familiar right. with him just Dwayne through Johnson. some of the um the DC like uh, Justice League stuffs because he he features in some of their movies and in the in a in a few of their episodes like um he's part of the Magic Pantheon that that uh the the, the Justice League constantly runs into like yes. him and Shazam um. Felix Faust and uh, a few of those other magical weirdos. Yeah, I actually don't know much about DC's magical uh, side of their universe. Actually, yeah, I only know much about the the uh, New Apocalypse and New Earth uh, storylines. The ones those that follow so Dark good. Side. Yeah. Those are always the the best ones for me. Yeah, um, they when got, it comes to they, DC uh, storylines, they they got DC is stacked with some. Their animated shit is stacked, man. Yes, their animated really line is good. very good. I've been, I'm waiting for Justice League or Young Justice season four to finish up before I go in on it. Okay, because it's 24 episode goodness. Those so okay, good. so that's so that's doing this year. Uh, it's currently airing. Yeah, I think they're probably around episode 13 or four, somewhere between 13 and 15, I believe. Okay, that's what's up. So yeah, and and so that pretty much is all I'm looking for uh, in front of uh, in terms of movies. Uh, yeah, as I said, I couldn't find anything like just regular old drama action anything like that that i'm particularly interested in i was looking at the list it was like no none of this is like if it comes out and it gets good reviews i might go watch it i mean but... you'll find out more as they come closer right yes like, right around summer blockbuster when, i was gonna say when blockbuster season gets here like not everything that's coming out this year has been announced this year yeah this year already, right yeah so well, things not coming out for like six seven months might still yeah, like it's announced as in it's public knowledge, but they're probably not rolling out the ad campaign exactly, for it, yeah. so there might not be a lot of information readily available. But yeah, like as you get closer to it, they'll start dropping teasers and trailers. I'm pretty sure summer's probably going to be stacked. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to see see what else pops up because don't, the things that are confirmed and slated and like being uh, marketed, it's all Marvel. They, unless, you know, I can imagine that they're the only ones who do really forward marketing like that. You know what I mean? Well, Six, they're probably the most out. consistent. Marvel mm -hmm. is the, <clears throat> excuse me, Marvel is probably the only movie studio that doesn't really have to worry about movies not making money. Yeah. Or whether or not they're sure about their product, is if it's going to be uh, successful or not. Like, the movie industry is a tentpole industry. Like, in, yeah. more often than not, it doesn't make money. It has uh -huh. two to three, it has maybe three or four movies out of the year. That'll cover everything for the studio, but most of those movies, like no, they they they're not making back all that they they um they put into production. So it's Marvel is pretty much the only company that can be like, oh no, if we put it out, it's going to make its money back. Oh, it's big money. You know what I'm saying? So they they can they they're they're plan and I think they're really the, because they they're working on their own specific universe. It's much easier for them to plan out ahead. So their their slate is much easier. Much, um, much more easily visible, more or less like uh, Sony, where they're making a bunch of different projects that have no relation to each other. 
So anything could happen that could derail any one of those and cause it to be delayed. Yeah, once again, going back to what you've always said is like having the Feige's at the helm of that and maintaining the consistency has been such a huge boon for them. When it's just yeah. one person directing the shit, bro, like when it's just one conductor, it's it works really well. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, studio is like the work with the too many chefs in the kitchen model. <laughs> yes, yes, big facts. I was, maybe in general, I, could, I think I would extrapolate that collaborative art at that level. Yeah, it's, it's, you, it's you the need corporate to have that influence. one person. You know, if you yeah. you can have as many people as you want on the collaborative end, but if you lack that one place to go back to yep. to 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 uh, write the ship, you need you're a director, man. You need one cohesive voice at the end of the day. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter how many other people that one person listens to, but at the end of the day, you need one person to be like, no, this is what it is, and we can't do that because of this. You know, and ultimately, that's why I've always I've always seen the value in. Why somebody like a Kevin Feige would get so much credit and be so lauded and, you know, yes, they, you get the millions and millions, you know what I mean? But it shouldn't be at the expense of everyone else. I love that he gets paid, everyone else gets paid. I've never heard anyone complain about, you know what I mean? Like, when yeah. you do it right, no one complains about, because I'm sure he gets paid more than everyone. Yo, Feige be, be on that honey. shit where, like, yo, I want to be the call. I want to be the person that yeah, like, calls I mean? them, that lets them know we're about to change their life. Yeah. <laughs> And, and no one complains about stuff like that because you know it's a balance type of thing. But yeah, I really, I really appreciate them as heads. Like I think they're really good examples. And Marvel's lucky, man, having to just deal with your universe and your universe alone. I'm sure that is such a weight off their shoulders. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. So all right, yeah, let's move on into TV shows. Um, I was able to. There was three that I was particularly um, interested in when I went through the rundown. Uh, first one is Boys. Yeah, boys, boys always consistently is one of my favorite shows on on TV. Like, I really love what they're doing. Their adaptation, they made all of the correct diversions from the graphic novel, which I really appreciate. It's really hard to do, you know. A lot of uh, of these adaptations don't make the right turns, and pretty much mm-hmm. when it comes to that, it's this and Walking Dead. They're the only two that I've seen get it consistently right. You know what I mean? When it has to like. When it comes to like, okay, no, we need to take some artistic liberty away from the graphic novel because also the original, you know, you can't take for granted that the original art might be flawed in its own right. You know and what I mean? Not even that. Don't forget that a lot of the stuff that's being adapted wasn't wasn't mm. written like two, three years ago. It was written in another time. So a lot of things can't be directly adapted today oh because it's, it's not going to fly how it did when especially it was on the print of, 10 years ago. Especially in the case of something like The Boys that was written yep. to be risque back then. Yep. It's like, ah, baby, we was pushing boundaries. Yeah. Just understand, this is not the kind of person I am. I'm just saying. <laughs> but yeah, like he was, I can imagine that the guy who wrote that right now, all the scrutiny he's under, he's like, listen, I was purposely pushing boundaries. It's a piece of art. Don't do that. You know what I mean? Because, yo, original boys graphic novel is extremely risque you know what i mean a lot of of harsh uh language towards homosexuals a lot of harsh language to more uh towards the mentally divergent like they were he wasn't pulling punches but then again this was written something that was on the edge of the 90s you know what i mean by some time May as well be a different universe at this point, bro. It is. The 90s may as well be a different dimension in 2022. I mean, I watch Elf now, and I look at the way they they talk about how how he's not mentally well, and I'm just like, damn. That shit's rough, man. That shit's rough, bro. And I love that movie. (laughs) Oh, shit. Going back and watching some shows and listening to some songs. I think, for me... The most, the most, uh, the biggest example of that is like reggae music. Like, oh, yeah, reggae music from the 90s, bro. Like, I can't even sing a lot of them songs that I used bro. to fuck with heavy back then. Yeah, let me tell you, like, I, I, I think about, you know, the amount of, of lyrics that are dedicated strictly towards murdering gay people. Mm-hmm. And it is pretty sociopathic. You feel me? You're, you're it, just it is like sociopathic. Like, I get it once, like, I, I use, like, even once in a while, you you think you can address it. But the amount that it was happening, it was like, yo, man, a third of this 60-track mixtape <laughs> was just lyrics about killing yeah, gay people, really like, bad. straight up. I mean, I would have thrown them under the bus, but Y21, a lot of mercy. Yeah. I love them, but, yo, 
<laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. This is, I don't know how to evolve into that, but um, different it's times, a different time. Different, different times. times. Different times, man. Because, boy, I love their music, man. Elephant Man, I love your different music. Different Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Um, but, yeah, Voice is looking... I'm looking forward to that. And I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of Neil Gaiman as uh, a contemporary writer because I think his style of of kind of mythologizing contemporary culture is huge. It's so entertaining. It's so entertaining. Like the American gods and, and all, uh, Sandman and his, all of his contemporary works. Oh my goodness. The Anansi boys. Um, the Anansi boys. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. I always do. But, um, yeah, dude, I really, uh, love his, his writing style and, and all of the graphic novels that are in novels that have been adapted from, from his, his writings. He has a show coming out called Sandman, which is one of his iconic characters. Definitely going to watch that pretty much. I, I, you know, it is what it is. It was like, you know what it was? It was kind of like uh, the Wheel of Time series when, even though Amazon had it, and I hate Amazon, I was like, fuck, man, I'm really heavy on Wheel of Time. I'm going to have to watch it. And boy, was I disappointed. Uh, that's how I feel about uh, uh, Sandman being picked up as a TV show. It's like, I don't care who picks it up, I'm going to watch it. Just please don't disappoint me. Please don't disappoint me. I I like I really hope that they that they can adapt this well because that is a really quality um piece of literature just in general, you know what I mean? The writing behind it is really well done. Yeah. And so if you can adapt that feeling into a visual medium, boy, you're you're cooking with Crisco. I mean, uh but then again, I don't know. They they they, they also did an adaptation of um Oh, what's the other one that's kind of similar to Sam? Preacher. They also oh, did yes, an adaptation yes, yes. of Preacher, but I never actually <clears throat> gave that one a shot. I heard pretty good things. It looked like I it was adapted pretty faithfully. One. I did hear good things. But then again, I never read the Preacher comics. I just saw it a lot from comic media stuff. Yeah. Now, Preacher, uh, I was introduced to the Preacher graphic novels by a friend, um, Josh, who, you know, you know, exposed me to the graphic novels. And I didn't get... I did. I didn't pick it up. You know what I mean. Like I was exposed to the stuff that he showed me, and I enjoyed it. But I never actually got into the line, and so I was really happy to see that this show. What I caught of the show was entertaining, and it was always one that was on the back burner. But just like the graphic novel, never really intrigued me enough to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Like cursing preachers are, I think, are always going to be entertaining, but not there. There's no. There's no robots or ninjas, <laughs> so you're gonna have a hard time. And for me, it's like. Uh, uh, this is a sensory rich genre. You know what I mean. I need you to do some cool stuff. Uh, yeah, for me, it's like the um, like I don't. I guess it was just the religious iconography that I just didn't, just never made me uh, go towards it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was one that uh, uh, preacher was one that I I was interested in, but never actually picked up. But Sandman, I think, is actually going to be able to carry the interest, especially because they there's. There's some experience with the writers with adopting his um his works. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then, you know, just to throw a Netflix jammy up in there, I'm looking forward to Umbrella Academy Season 3. Because I personally have... I was entertained by Umbrella Academy Season 1 and 2, despite whatever um, critique I had of it. It still was a solid 7-8 to me. And so... It definitely managed to keep my interest for season three, so I'm looking forward to to, to catching that. But honestly, there wasn't a whole lot else um, outside. Now, fucking the deluge of Marvel move, uh, uh, TV shows that are coming out. <laughs> I, I was just like, that was it was a little bit much. I was like, I, it was. So and see, this is the reverse side of, of of them consistently creating stuff. Is that now I'm kind of overwhelmed. And I'm just like, and then I lose interest. Like, you're not going to inundate me with choices. I'll take none of them. How about that? You know what I mean? Like, I feel it triggers my obstinance when you give me so many choices and I can't adequately choose from them. I just get turned off, you know? Yeah. And there's so many. That option is always there, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. it's uh, I I think that they're doing this. and, And if this is a strategic thing they're doing with the IPs that they are less confident in so that they can slowly get consumed over time. 
I'm not mad at that. That's a very, it's probably a smart move, actually. Just like, hey, these ones, we don't know if they're either any of them are going to get those huge numbers anyway. So just put them all out at once and hopefully over time they'll get their viewership. And then if they, any of them do trend over time, boom, we'll just follow it, pick it up and go, you know? Like, cause they can pick up the ball real quick. I see it. I see it a little differently, right? I see it like it's just. To me, it looks like they're just recreating the comics on film, right? It's just like the Marvel mm-hmm. universe is much bigger than the the ones we've seen in Phase One through Three. So, in order to re, if they wanted to recreate the entire Marvel comic book universe, then this is how they would have to do it. it would be through TV shows that are interconnected and you mean serialized stylistically. They're not taking the sto- the comic book storylines. They're just like it's the same way you would proliferate comic books with several lines at a single time. They're doing the same thing with movies. Uh no, because in in a way they they um, I wouldn't necessarily say it like that because they they do connect. They're all they're all part of the same overall narrative, right? It's just that there happens to be just it's just a really big story, so it just takes a lot of time to tell because it's just that big. Well, I'm saying that the comic books and the and the comic book stories and the movie stories are separate. They're not the same thing. Uh, what do you mean for the Disney Plus shows? Yeah, like the, the Disney Plus shows have their own storyline, and then comic books that exist have their own separate storylines that are different than the story Disney. Like uh, Hawkeye on the Disney Plus story is not a one for one for the. Comic yeah, yeah, book yeah. I didn't mean that they were. Okay, doing no, no, one I'm differentiating that because I, I don't want anyone to to make that that assumption because I know a lot of people do, and I think that that's part of the issue with why people look at and they critique Marvel uh, movies. And they might be a little bit heavy-handed on the storyline. Is that they're assuming that they're going to get a one-for-one recreation of storyline, and that's never the case. Oh yeah, they really but, aren't. Yeah, like I've, I've been saying this for ages. If that, if that, if you expect something to be adapted one for one from uh, uh, another literary from a literary source to film, you're going to be disappointed every single time. Well, not every time. Like ninety-nine percent of the time, you will be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, it, it's possible to it's possible to do recreations because like. That's that's what uh that's I think that's partially why the the current Dune did so successfully is that they took they didn't change the source material they took it and represented it you know yeah. what I mean it has Whereas to be adapted see, yeah. into unfortunately like it's not going to be copied as a one for one from um literature to film whether it's well, comic books wise, or, or, or anything beats. yeah but that's what i mean like mm-hmm. e- even if even if you don't change the story beats you will still have to change different parts of it just to make things match up yeah because not like what they did with civil war where civil war was like it wasn't even the same story that was just those yeah. two separate stories. the best example i always like to give is mm-hmm. always Zack snyder's um watchmen Zack Snyder's Watchmen, okay. with the exception of the ending, and it is pretty much a one-for-one yeah, adaptation of comic. everything in the book. And that is the only comic book movie that I can mm-hmm. think of that has done that. The pretty only much. exceptions being the DC animated films, which oftentimes, uh, which have taken to adapting specific graphic novels that have done well in the past. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's just, other than that, it's just, other than those two specific cases, I can't really think of any, 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 like, it, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, and 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 that's that. That was the only thing that I wanted to 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 put out there because Marvel Marvel's formula is to not do that. It doesn't mean it's impossible to do, because there's examples of it having been successful that 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 have been pointed out. But that's not Marvel's formula, and that was something that I had to correct in my head. Is like Marvel's formula is not to recreate these things. That's not what they're doing. Do you, I I I find it I find it productive to think of it kind of like they're making. Uh, an analog to the comic universe in movies, but they're using their own storylines and everything, but they're going to proliferate the lines similarly. Like if there's an X-Force, they'll make X-Force movies, but they will be their X-Force movies with their own stories. You know what I mean? Yep. And with that expectation, you could probably, you'll, you'll be set to go to enjoy those kind of movies. You know what I mean? Because if you're like, oh man, I want to read the comic to get ready, it's like, no, 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 that has nothing to and do. And another with it. thing is, like, studios don't like doing that. Studios mm-hmm. don't like making a story that you already know. True. If True. you already know the story and all the story beats in it, then studios believe that the majority of audiences is going to find that boring. If you've never seen it before, it's going to mm-hmm. find that boring. That's you're, unfortunately when you do that, you're marketing it to too small of an audience. Mm-hmm. So that's another mm-hmm. reason why. Yeah. 
direct adaptations are also very very rare because it's like you already know the whole story you know exactly what's going to happen from if beginning you, to end if you ever give uh the money man the option of larger audience or smaller audience bigger audience every time you know I what mean, I mean? whatever's going to play to the bigger audience and movie so, yeah. is art but at the same time it requires money to make you feel me absolutely yeah it, it requires money to make you can't just throw away money just making frivolous frivolous shit Mm-mm. and so yeah those are my those are my uh big tv uh uh, picks that I'm looking out for is Boys, Sandman, and Umbrella Academy. So um, next there's games, because you know, some game studios gonna be pumping out for 2022. Because I think that all of the big stuff that was slated to drop when when COVID hit is wrapping up, and so all, that's you know we're still a year and a half, two years in. There's still been a ton of production happening. And so even though it's been slowed down, we're getting close to the spot where, you know, studios, you know, they're going to start dropping stuff again. So next, uh, 2022, 2023, I think is going to be a big two years for the gaming industry in terms of stuff that that's been in the in the works. You know what I mean? Finally coming to uh, full fruition. Not as much, you know, the smaller, you know, B or double A titles, but the big triple A titles. That's what we're gonna see starting to come into fruition, and so yeah, you're hitting that season in the in the um console life cycles. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes, and so <clears throat> and so um one thing I'm always gonna keep my eye on is from here on out is gonna be Final Fantasy uh 14 because everything that Final Fantasy 14 I think from here on out is going to be um industry setting. Um, especially based on the fact that Blizzard has exited the scene for the most part. Um, WoW is pretty much dead in the water from what I understand. I don't I don't think that anything new major is coming out of that studio for a little while, if ever. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if if the the harm that they've uh, committed to their player base is are, is irreparable or not. But I don't think so. It's it, unfortunately I don't have that much faith in people, right? All all True. Blizzard needs to do is make a good game, and people will forget about it. The Blizzard's main problem isn't their sexual assault; it's the fact that they're making shitty games. Okay, so if Blizzard say- was making shitty games and they got found out for sexual assault, people would not be as upset at them. There'd be more people defending. I agree. Them. It's the R. Kelly effect, and I think mm-hmm. we can, can we name that after him? Is that okay? <laughs> do your thing. Yeah, we're gonna call that the R. Kelly effect. Um, is that you know. It's really not about what you did. It's about how much you're entertaining us in the moment. And so, yes, Blizzard uh, I, I will committed the ultimate sin, that. which is they not fucked up. <laughs> they fucked up while they weren't being entertaining. Yes. Yep. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're okay. So we won't say that they're dead, but they're in hibernation. I mean, they're in hibernation till their next game comes out. I mean, I don't or know. They, they put based, out some content. Someone based enjoys? on the if I'm going to, I'm not. I haven't really been keeping up with Blizzard like that. But if I'm going to base anything on their previous projections, no, they're not. You feel well, Blizzard mean, has been dying for a while. I mean, WoW has been. Well, yeah, they've been hemorrhaging players for a minute. So if they just keep on their current trajectory, it won't be a positive one, to say the least. Yes, uh, they, they will continue their death throes for the foreseeable future until Doesn't, something new. They pretty much comes have to. Studios. They have to do something so good that it'll make all their fans forget that they're scumbags. And, right. and it doesn't look a, like they're I don't really even think that's impossible. Pretty good. It's not but impossible. But I think that it's going to be hard only because it's going to require them to make a good game. And right now, part of their uh, of their um, their controversy is that they're mistreating the people required to make their games. And so they might not be able to get themselves out of this one. That's the only reason why I said earlier, like, they might be dead in the water because... They, they need to do exactly what you said, make something entertaining, but they're hurting the people who are supposed to do that. And so this might not be like a recoverable wound. It's like a Komodo dragon bite. You know what I mean? Like it's just going to fester until the thing's dead, dead. Yeah. The people in charge aren't interested in making good games. That's, and that's kind of yep. the problem. Which <laughs> and that's a them, huge problem. That's what led them to they where they are right now. They're far more interested in touching women inappropriately than actually making good games. I mean, they, they're, it's a frat club, not a video game company. Yeah. And so... um. Yeah, with that all being said, that's all that's being said that, you know, it's Final Fantasy XIV's industry to to do what they want with right now. And so I want to watch them to see um, what decisions they make, especially with Square's announcement that they're going to um, triple, quadruple down on NFTs. I'm like, that don't even make sense. 
How do we get to triple? You didn't even double down yet. And this is like, bro, what are you talking about, dude? Like, all of these companies that are put making announcements about NFTs when they've barely even put their toes into it, it signals bad to me. But as I said, I'm just going to keep my, my, my ear to the ground on it. But yeah, so Final Fantasy fourteen is something I'm, I'm going to keep my eye out for because next year is going to be real interesting for them. Um, but out of Square Enix as well um, is Forspoken. I think Forspoken is going to be a really interesting game. Um, it's a triple-A kind of isekai-style style game where you're pulled from another world, but it's got great action RPG elements to it. And I think that one is going to uh, really solidify this whole genre, this isekai genre of the player representing someone from another world, kind of like Nino Kuni style. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that, and and I've enjoyed that genre because it's it's a, it's not a new genre; it's just a small genre in general, and it's much bigger in anime. And I think that its anime success is also going to lend very well to its video game successes. Um, and so yeah, I'm looking forward to Forspoken. I think that's going to be a great uh, uh, ambassador for that genre, um, and that's definitely due to come in in 2022. Yeah, that's um, pretty cool. Yeah, and then there's a uh, um, final in this. You know, I, I just realized that. Jeez, Final Fantasy is all over this list. But there's uh, Final Fantasy Strangers of Paradise, the uh, Souls-like game, uh, or the like the Demon Souls-type uh, Final Fantasy game. You know, it had its rough demo launch, <laughs> but once people got, you know, through the chaos, they managed to play it, and what they played was solid. The problem that a lot of people had is that they came in expecting a Final Fantasy game and got a uh, a, a Souls-like game. And so they had a hard time with that. But that is their problem, honestly, in my opinion. The people who, who like Souls-like games who played it said that it was a very solid rendition of the genre. Um, <clears throat> and then they put out the second demo, which updated and fixed a lot of the issues that they had, and now it's really shaping up to be a solid game. Now, I guess, I don't know if this is as I get older, I become more masochistic or what, but I've been very interested in Souls-like games, which, you know, if you're not already into that genre of tanky-style action game where it's a lot of timing and repetition, then it seems like it's a relatively arduous task to get into. But I've been really interested ever since um, Death Stranding, where they kind of uh, went away from that high fluid action, Devil May Cry type action, Bayonetta style, to something a little bit more methodical and tactical. I'm with it because I'm not very dexterous, and so I'm not into smashing my you know my joints into into oblivion, pressing buttons, you know. And so yeah, that that I thought was was, was really interesting. And so with with. Uh, Final, uh, Final Fantasy as an IP getting into something like Strangers of Paradise, I was like, all right, all right, I could fuck with this. I want to if I want to get into to Souls like games, Stranger of Paradise is absolutely where I would enter. And so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then also similarly in the Souls like genre, also fantasy. There's Elden Ring. Now this game just looks amazing for yeah, for all it's crazy. bringing in terms of visuals. Mm. And it has a George R. R. Martin written storyline, which I don't know if I love it only for the spite towards Game of Thrones fans because all of them are waiting for a book and instead he's writing video games. And so I'm just like, you know, I'm fucking with that. I'm fucking with it. I'm fucking with that on the, purely on the back of fuck Game of Thrones fans because, you know, after, after seeing how many people got into the TV version of Game of Thrones season eight and talked about how great it was, I was like, you know what? You guys deserve... You know, I'm pretty sure that's why George R. R. Martin is like, ah, oh, fuck these guys. I mean, <laughs> he could just be waiting until the stink falls off of it. It's got, he's, he's got to uh, do something about that because the, the stench is bad. But you're right. That, that could be very much what he's doing. I'm just, I'm being hyperbolic. But yeah, um, Elden Ring in and of itself as a game looks amazing. Yeah, it does. Um, I can't wait to put hands on that. Um I'm just debating on whether I... Because at this point, I'm eventually going to start looking for a PS5. Almost two years in, I think that about two, three years in to the to the uh, console life cycle, I usually start start getting interested. But, of course, we do have the, the actual supply issue with PS5. So, I don't know, man. I'm definitely not interested in trying to hunt one down. 
if I want a PS5, I just want to be able to get one, and it doesn't look like that's going to be a thing anytime soon. So yeah, if you don't know someone that works at a place that gets them, then you're going to have to hunt one down. Yeah, I'm not so much. I, I don't know how how well I want to do with that. Um, as I said, I, I might put some toes to the ground and see what's up, but if if it's too much of a hassle, I'll end up just waiting, which is definitely going to hinder me jumping into a lot of these games that I talked about because. I'm not interested in... On the bright side, though, waiting means that if they're good, you get the bundles for cheaper than the original thing. Absolutely, 100%. That's I've my never favorite thing about happen. those games, you feel me? <laughs> never not seen that happen. Played God of War uh, Game of the Year edition like a year after it came out. Bought it for 20 bucks, and it had everything. Beautiful. I know, all DLC, oh, yes, especially everything. with this new episodic yes. release model that yes. they're using to monetize. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, like I'm not you buy it, it when it comes out, you pay like sixty dollars for the original games, fifteen dollars for one DLC, fifteen dollars for another DLC, or maybe fifteen dollars for a season pass. Done. I'm saying if you can wait Done. a year, get all of that shit for twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. If the game's any good, anyway. And then you get to t- and, and you get the the benefit of reviews. Yeah, if the game's not good, then it'll be even cheaper than twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. uh Moving on from games, just uh, we'll we'll wrap up with uh, some social issues and then some tech to look forward to, and then that'll be our our prognostications for twenty twenty two. So, in terms of uh, tech, I think that there's a few pieces of tech that that have caught my eye that in twenty twenty two I think are going to be groundbreakers. So, twenty twenty two I think firstly will be a huge year for solar technology. Solar technology has been popular as an alternative for a lot of what's going on um, in terms of the transition away from fossil fuels for a long time. But the biggest issue with solar technology is patent law, which is fucking sick, right? Like, what the fuck is patent law when when we need this technology to survive as humans on this earth without destroying it? But anyway... One of the biggest issues with a lot of solar tech is patent law, and those patents are opening up. In 2022, a lot of those patents that have been opened up have been under development, and the stuff that is going to be uh, developed with those patents that have been released out to the public should be coming around in 2022, 2023. So I think this year is going to be huge for that. Um, I don't know if you heard about this. I don't know if I'm going to get to talk about this today, but we'll probably talk about it next time. But you know, China fucking set the air on fire and launched an artificial sun over the fucking over one of their provinces for a short period of time. They literally set the air on fire for a period of time to create artificial sunlight, <laughs> bro. If that's not if that's not proof that they're trying to learn how to stabilize the the, the solar production of their panels, then I don't know what is, dude. Like, I don't think anything nefarious. I think that they're trying to use that kind of stuff, that kind of environmental technology to draw energy out of the environment, which is hugely dangerous, I think, especially because of the uh, environmental impact it would have. But I don't know if they're doing it to destroy the environment per se. They're just willing to destroy the environment to get what they want, which wouldn't be. That's about that's the most American thing that the Chinese have ever done. Yeah, it's capitalist ideology right there. Absolutely. But yeah, so I think solar technologies are going to be on the rise. They're going to be driven by Chinese firms developing technologies. And um, I think that there's going to be a huge amount of um, area for investment in, in solar tech stateside because a lot of the, the, uh, the actual assembly technologies are in places that are controlled by U.S. production. And so while China owns the uh, the mining rights to most of the rare earth metals that create the kind of capacitors and things of that nature that you need to, to create solar panels, the actual um, fabrication is controlled by American companies. So I think that that's going to create a huge amount of, of, of R&D capacity for this technology, needless to say. So yeah, there's solar. And then on top of that, I think that um, microchip manufacturing is going to to see a, a, an amazing overhaul because the the main issue that it's seeing right now is that they had a, a delay in, in manufacturing 
And unfortunately, microchip manufacturing is one of the few industries that has to deal with the six-month technology update that happens no matter what. So whereas you might be able to use utilize a lot of technologies that are, are comprised of microchips, microchips actually have to change their fabrication model every six months to an entirely new technological paradigm, almost. And so they've been running into catching up with uh with their with the shortage with the fact that they can't produce old chips anymore because they have to start accommodating new chip chip production paradigms that all is about to come to a head in 2022 whereas the new chip orders are going to now in mass be of the current chip technology because of the out phasing the outsource uh, i'm sorry the phasing out of the older chip uh chipsets you know what I mean? Like people are just gonna eventually stop older ordering the older ones because they're no longer the the uh, most contemporary technology. And so now, once that catches up with their production lines, you're gonna see uh, a reinvigorating of the chip market. Which it's it's only because they're not willing to waste any extra money um, in unused uh, in unused production. That's the only reason why they put an artificial shortage on the market. By not producing what's necessary, which I mean, that's their business model, and and you can't be mad at them. They they make money, you know what I mean. I got stock in Nvidia, and they they are going up, and so <laughs> it is what it is. You you can't hate them. Yeah, what did I say? Don't hate the player, hate the game. So yeah, that is what it is. But I can tell you that having watched Nvidia production, that all is coming to a head, and it's going to come to the point where they are going to start meeting current production, fulfilling backlog production, and getting back to a, a somewhat of a quote-unquote semblance of normal. And that's going to mean that you're going to be able to see a rollout of the, the next uh, line of chips. So chip technology is going to, we're going to see, start to progress again, whereas we have been just waiting on old chips for the past two years to get back into manufacture. You know what I mean? <clears throat> So that, I think, is going to be super interesting. And this one, I think, is going to come out a little bit out of uh, left field. And it's only uh, something that I kind of became privy to after I did a little bit of research when I was talking back, uh, uh, talking a little bit about how tech companies are getting into the uh, psilocybin hallucinogenic market. And that is, we're going to see a boom in the technology behind uh, hallucinogenic production, but not just the production of hallucinogenics, but the application, similarly to how when cannabis became more and more uh, proliferated throughout the public, widely accepted, and the medicinal properties of it became more and more known, we saw a huge boom in the technologies around productions, refining, and also the applications. We started learning that CBD was the metabolically reactive part of cannabis and that that could be selectively applied to to certain uh physi physiological issues to to receive the benefits of cannabis without the psychoactive parts and you know just that whole technology evolved and changed and our understanding of it uh similarly did and i think that while uh by and large you don't want tech industry in uh the distribution and regulation of something like a hallucinogenic their presence in the industry will uh, drive innovation because that's that's solely blind what they blindly blindedly run after is innovation. And so you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, you know, so allow the innovation to pervade without ceding the reins of regulation and control of the market to the tech industry. Don't allow them to drive the industry. Get the benefits of 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 the of the innovation that comes with that form of 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 integration, but don't you know what I mean? And so that's going to be an industry I think in twenty twenty two is going to be one to watch because that I think is going to be uh, a a whole new plateau because the government has been very you know not into letting us control the things that we can use to alter our consciousness that's not something that the government's ever been into 
But now that we are essentially in a corporate fascist government whose only care is corporate interests, if the corporate interest is such that they are interested in making money off of the hallucinogenic experience, the government's probably just going to say, all right, well, what, what can we do to let you guys, you know, do what you got to do? And so, yeah, you know, that that kind of uh, environment does lead to a massive amount of innovation. So I think that that's a market that is going to be interesting to watch because it has, I think, very long lasting effects. It's a type of market that will grow and evolve into a lot of different things because it touches a little bit of pharmaceuticals. It touches a little bit on 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 recreational. It touches a little bit on on a lot of different levels. And so that's going to be an industry uh, or technology to to watch because it's going to have effect on a lot of different industries. But yeah, moving on from that, we'll touch on some of the uh, the top social reforms I'll be looking for in 2022 and then we'll we'll, we'll call it a we'll call it a wrap. So number one, I I think that this is going to be a very pivotal time to watch what happens with police reform, because on the back of of all of the social unrest that happened after George Floyd, after all of the 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 back and forth about uh, vigilantism, from Rittenhouse to the McDaniel's, uh, there this is a, a very a very in, uh. I think important time to watch what's happening with police reform because it's very easy I think for people to 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 walk away from this with a lot of the wrong lessons because they are in a media environment that's not giving them a very healthy diet of what's actually going on. And so I think that police reform is going to be one that we have to watch very closely because when you see places like like New York electing Eric Adams and and his response to so many different things and how how it it is so and it's not even militaristic it's absolutely indicative of the police mentality it's very unique the the police have a very unique mentality that's not even like the 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 greater militaristic mentality that you see that pervades uh, American society it's a very unique and and he very much uh exemplifies that and and I'm very interested to see if in uh, places like LA that does have a, a, a mayoral race coming up um, not too long. If, if they follow suit, you know, because, you know, you have people like Barbara Lee who are, who are going to run for mayor, I think of LA, but it, what if she gets beaten out by, you know, somebody who represents the police state, like, like a Eric, like a quote unquote, someone like an Eric Adams, you know, that I think that'll be very interesting to see. And, and as the, the big cities on the coast go, those are, you know, because so many people conglomerate into these cities, you know, it seems like, oh, that's just one city, but it's one city of several million people. You know what I mean? And that will have a very disproportionate effect on what happens throughout the rest of the uh, uh, rest of society. So that'll be really interesting. Next, we have voting reform. Let me tell you, this seems to be a if voting reform seems to be one of the the last things that uh, middle-class black people believe is important enough to sacrifice their vote for. And a lot of people who, uh, when I say black people, I mean minorities in general, who went blue to, to combat what was happening on the, the conservative right of the country are starting to realize that those people that they backed, the blue side, doesn't even support their right to vote. And that's going to create a hugely disaffectioned section of voters. And I don't know, man. All I know, all I do know is that disaffection people don't respond how you expect them to. And so even if these are people who, who typically would espouse more democratic ideas out of anger, being dejected, spite, they they will vote in very very uh odd ways that do not support their own self-interest and i think that it's unfortunate that what the democrats are doing in reference to voting rights is going to force more and more people into that weird place into that weird place where they they won't vote blue even though in not doing so they absolutely aid the conservative side and 
even though that's more of an indictment onto the system that says that if you abstain from it, you actually end up supporting a side that could be against your best interest. It does say a lot about that. Unfortunately, it's going to be expressed in in Republican victories around the country. And even if those Republicans don't do bad things, it's going to embolden people who do want to do terrible things, you know, who do who do believe in the curtailing of voting rights and the proliferation of 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 dangerous items throughout our society. And that that's problematic, you know. So we definitely gotta to 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 keep an eye on the voting rights reforms that that go on in 2022 uh, also because that's a, a, a biden voting yeah, that was a biden uh uh promise that he made when he was elected you know and once again it'll just be another example of of him pretty much shitting on all of the promises that he made to get elected once he was elected and then uh finally i think it's going to be uh medical reform we're going to have to keep your eye on on what happens in the medical industry because right now we're on the backs of two massively epic failings of the medical industry. You have the opioid crisis and you have the massive failings of the response to COVID. And I'm really wondering what what's going to happen with the with the with the medical system and it's going to be really important to see what the uh what reforms happen in terms of regulation and legislation because that's going to point to what interests are manipulating our government you know what i mean like whatever does happen i promise you will be the byproduct of of a huge amount of lobbying and that lobbying will be will be expository of of what interests have the most power in our government and that's and that's sad. I mean, I think that there's no more indictment of the fascist natures of fascist nature of this government that the best way to tell where the government's going to go is to what corporate interests are in the room willingly that they let into the room when they make these decisions. But all right, guys. So that's my prognosticating for 2022. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed and I look forward to seeing which of these uh, topics I was either accurate on or actually shape up to be entertaining for us. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please feel free to uh, subscribe to us on anchor.fm or on patreon.com. Also, feel free to follow us on the social media. You can find me on Twitter at Korea underscore T and at Home Heron and also on Instagram at Heron's Home Podcast. And you can find me on Instagram at RicoGVO. And always remember, guys, time is only wasted if you choose to waste it. So learn from your mistakes. It's the only thing you ever truly will learn from. Thank you again for joining us and have, have a great one. Peace out. Take it easy.